Walker and I have been trying to think of other ways that we can help actors. And we've come up with an idea that I really love called Conversations on Acting. And it basically is your opportunity as an actor to ask them questions. Our first guest will be Sharon Carnegie, who is one of the world experts on Stanislavski. This will take place on Saturday, June 3rd at 3 p.m. And anyone can join us. We'll be posting the link on our website, idontneedanactingclass.com, on Instagram, and on Facebook. So stay tuned and mark your calendars Saturday, June 3rd at 3 p.m. Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. So, look, I'll just say this. You will spend your life with actors who don't work the way you do and who aren't going to want to do what you want to do in order to make you do what you do best. So, uh, you know, it's important for you to figure out exactly what Caleb did, which was uh, my scene study partner doesn't want to work with me the way I want to work, so I'll just go out in the park and work by myself. And that's fine. And it's really, really good practice. I'm still quite amused by Teo talking about how uh, stressed he was while working on, was it FBI, Teo? Playing an Italian doctor. And it was really interesting. He said the audition was really stressful because... You know, I had to build what I, I had to build the hospital, and then I had to build looking at the gurney, and then I had to build, you know, the person I was talking to. And just keep in mind, this was a this was an audition Teo worked on with Greg, not me. So he was really on his own. He didn't have to listen to Gr Greg's opinions because it's not what Greg does. So, I mean, it was really, really stressful. And then he said, and then when I got there, there was a real hospital and a real corridor and a real thing. And he said it was so much easier. It wasn't stressful at all. And so what I pointed out was it wasn't stressful because he'd done the work. I mean, that's, you know, the work is stressful. You know, I don't act. It's stressful enough to teach. It is. It, it's like you're, you're sitting there and you think, oh, thank God, I finally found the impulse of the scene. And then somebody says to you, yeah, yeah, but it all sounds the same. Oh, right. Oh, good. Okay, now I have a specific relationship to every single thing I'm talking about. Yeah, but I've lost the character. I don't even know who he is. I mean, it's like you can't win. And then you work and you work and you work and you work. And then somebody's sitting in the editing room and says, this happened to Chris Petrovsky when we did the short film with him. The editor's wife, who is totally and completely fabulous, but really a bitch. And she was sitting there looking at Chris Petrovsky and this, and she, and she said, what's the matter with him? His mouth is open all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what you're up against. 
she was a producer for a long time and then she produced reality TV. And I was selling a, a movie. Uh, I was trying to get a movie set up at the Cannes Film Festival, movie, this movie by Harold Pinter uh, called Dreaming Child. And Jennifer said at one particular point when she saw me, are you still trying to get financing for dreary child? <laughs> She's like, God, that's a dreary movie. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Anybody? Questions, comments, thoughts? Good. Uh, it's all clear. Teo, is acting now cleared up for you, or do I need to bring in Mark Ruffalo? I mean, a second opinion is always welcome, right? <laughs> I know that we're talking to a lawyer about, you know, can can Teo get a green card if we get married? But I will never forgive him for coming over to my house after class one day. This is in Los Angeles, and he came over. And he said, God, it was so amazing. I said, what? And he said, well, Mark Ruffalo was in class tonight, and I did a scene, and I mean, he just said one thing, and it cleared up all of acting for me. For at least two years after that, anytime he was having an acting problem, I would say, I think you should call Mark Ruffalo. He's really got the answers. Okay. Greg, can you pick me up from the airport um, next Monday night? We'll think about that. Uh, anyway. All right, Karim, it's your day to work. I am ready to go after the video by Denzel Washington. He's got me pumped up. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm going to try something. I want to, what we, what I was doing last week. So try to be more specific. This young lad comes to see me one day. Got a blue bow tie, a gray suit, and he comes in with so much excitement. He's smiling. He comes in with a box, and he takes out this device that he plugs into the outlet, and he takes out a banana, an orange, an apple, some fruits, and he puts it into this jar. He puts a lid on it. And he presses a button, and it sounds like a helicopter. And all of a sudden, everything that was solid becomes liquid. And after he turns it off, he has a smile on his face from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I knew we had something here. I knew we had something here. But he told me he was a frigid air. They made him an offer that he didn't like. So now he comes to GE, and what do we do? Knowing that he's been to Frigidaire, we make him an offer that's not that much higher. And here, we have a young lad that's put so much time, effort, and his heart into it. And now we're about to take over his invention and make a lot of money from it. When he walks out that door, we're going to give him a bag of peanuts. That's it. 
And that's what got to me. All right, that's <laughs> yes, good. Yeah. Yeah, I have a I, I, I have a sense of him. I would doubt using the product that you used since we still didn't we still didn't have that particular product in the late seventies, much less the thirties. No, no, we came out nineteen twenty. Okay. You're kidding. The blender, the mixture, yeah. Oh the blender. Uh, blender. Oh. The mixture. Oh, all right. Um, but what I was trying to get to hmm. was uh, how a guy, a young lad comes in and he's so motivated and he's putting everything into it, puts his heart into it, it's his dream, and then we give him a bag of peanuts, basically, and we take everything that he's done, and he walks out with nothing, and GE just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's what I was trying to get to. No, no, I, I think that's good. I, I'll tell you something. It's a very, very good choice. I don't quite believe it. Okay. I, I don't I don't believe it. I mean, I, I think I, I think it is a good choice. But I think what we have to have is I think that's so huge that the kind of need to believe the choice is also huge. Yeah, I need to work on it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I just started last night. I'm going to be honest with you, but uh, I agree. But it, it's, um, but I, I get what you're saying. This is just as it's huge, and we have to. It, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I need more work. Well, and also, what do you think you need in order to make it believable? The effect that it had on me. Okay. The effect that it had on me, um, and, and and don't guess it now. No, 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 no. No, I know because I'm telling you something. It it is. This is the essence of who he is. There's something about it. I had a very interesting thing happen about an hour ago. I told you all about this uh, reading of this new play about Walt Whitman and the development of Leaves of Grass that I'm directing for the Walt Whitman Birthplace Association in Huntington. And I think the chairman of the board is a woman named Susan Fishbein, who is really, really smart. So she had proposed that next year part of the programs that, that's part of their grants is a collection of lectures about Walt Whitman and his relationship to the LGBTQ plus community. And the board voted her down. And she resigned. And because she's a PhD and brilliant, immediately the New York Walt Whitman Society brought her in. And she had a meeting today with the Walt Whitman Society. And so they backed away from their stance. I just got about an hour ago. 
I, I got an email from Jay saying that she had gone to them. She had absolutely demanded. She was appalled at their behavior. And they backed off of it. And now they will have that. And of course, for me, it was difficult because I've been hired to do it. And, and I thought, you know, if I do it, I, I mean, I was actually going through a problem. I thought, my God, she, she's the chairman of the board and she quit. I'm directing a play for these people. But I mean, the point of this is she was willing to resign because of the stance that they made. So my point bringing this up is it's huge. And it's something that is built into that. His realization, and it's not just that the kid was enthusiastic, it's that he got ripped off. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean that's that that's that's really the thing. The cost it is to stand up for your principles. But so that's when I say that's what you need to work on. It's because I don't have a sense of that. I don't have a sense that he was really offended by it. I don't have a sense it really bothered him. It, it it kind of is an academic sense that it should bother him, but I don't I I, I don't I, it, I'm not getting that. Um, I think that's the difficult part, and that's one of the things that you have to you know eventually you get to where you look at and and say you know we know resigning is big, so we're trying to earn that, but at the same time. His thinking that would go there, it's a particular kind of person. I mean, I wasn't that kind of person. Jesus, I worked for Bob Hope, the world's biggest Republican, for five years. I went to Vietnam with Bob Hope. I mean, listen, I wasn't that person. You know, I was the sort of person where I said to myself, my God, this is my first professional job in television. What, I'm going to walk away and make a stand? <laughs> because Bob Hope is, is not anti-Vietnam. There was a huge article in Life magazine about Bob Hope. And apparently he was the richest man in show business. He was worth, at the time, $650 million, which in the 70s was money. And people were getting critical of him because of that. His because he was, you know, he stood by. He stood by Richard Nixon. They played golf together. At any rate, the Life magazine article said that when Bob Hope walked onto the field of a, of a college football game, people in the crowd booed. So I was talking to Bob about it, and he said. That's not true. They didn't boo. They were going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I see. That's what we're talking about here. Did you ever meet Reagan? No. No, no, Good no. Good no, friend. No. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. No, I never met Reagan. Bob called me at one particular point during Watergate. I mean, I happened to pick up the phone at the office and we started chatting. And he said, well, 
I mean, obviously he's guilty, but the question is, how are we going to get him off? <laughs> and I kept thinking, you and me, Bob, we're going to figure out how to save Richard Nixon from from Watergate, just, you know, in this phone conversation this afternoon in Burbank. But the point is, I wasn't going to leave that job. I didn't have the principles of Ted Quinn or Susan Fishbein. You know, in my mind, in my mind, you know, this is the first time I'd ever worked in television. And I was going around the world and doing another TV series from, I mean, what, what was I suddenly going to stand up on principle like anybody cared? So I, I think that's another issue. If Milton Justice had quit the Bob Hope show, nobody would have possibly cared. Not that that was ever an issue with me. But Ted Quinn resigning makes a difference in the way Susan Fishbein resigning from the Walt Whitman Society made a difference. Now they had to address the issue. I also think, and just to throw more difficulty into it. I think Ted Quinn is, is really aware from what's happened in the past that that's not going to change. I don't know if Susan thought it was going to change or if she, she resigned or not. She just knew she couldn't deal with it. It so happened it did change because the fact that she resigned meant that they had to address it. But Ted Quinn resigning, they're not going to address it. They are not going to change. So, you know, keep that in mind. All right? Good. I Don't Need an Acting Class is created and hosted by Milton Justice. Producer is me, Walker Vreeland, and director of online media is Evan Sollers. Music is by Jeffrey Kieser. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, you can find us online, I don't need an acting class.com. And uh, you can continue to send your questions to Milton at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you back here next week.